From the beginning of creation, God had a plan for people, a purpose for that plan. And from His beginning, the devil has opposed God's plan and done all that he could to erase it and stop it. We look today uh, considering uh, what the Bible has to say about life. Ancient uh, idolatry was all about selfish pursuits. Man creating gods that he liked, of man making up his own gods who approved of his behavior, no matter how wicked it was. Ancient idolatry and ancient temples of idolatry were a combination of banks and bars and brothels. Uh, they were banks in a way that people, uh, uh, there's a general religious feeling that you don't touch temples. Uh, I was even visiting with some people this last week and they were talking about, I couldn't believe it, that somebody stole, stole some stuff from the church, you know. How low is somebody like that? And it was a different church and some different people, but they, they were commenting on, they couldn't believe someone had the audacity to steal something uh, from a church. And that's the way ancient temples were. They were places you go keep your valuables and uh, be, so no one would steal them, uh, as it were. They were bars and brothels, much of ancient idolatry. The, the idols, the gods were worshipped through sexual immorality and drunkenness. So uh, they were a combination of greed and selfish pleasure and sexual immorality. And uh, the result of that was, uh, again, temples like Temple of Baal and even the Greek and Roman gods were these kinds of temples that were uh, operated that way. And the result of uh, such greed and lust and immorality and all that going on was uh, unwanted children. Unwanted children. And uh, so part of the ancient idolatry was to get rid of unwanted children, sacrifice them to the false gods. A modern archaeological dig in the town of Megiddo in Israel at the Baal temple that was there found just scores of jars with the remains of infants that they sacrificed to Baal because they were unwanted. The law of Moses talks about this in Leviticus 18. Leviticus 18 is an entire chapter all about sexual immorality. It outlines the wickedness of adultery, of incest, of homosexuality, of bestiality. And then in the middle of that is verse 21 of Leviticus 18. It says, Do not give any of your children to be sacrificed to Molech, for you must not profane the name of, the, of your God. I am the Lord. They were connected because these ancient temples were places, uh, banks and bars and brothels, Unwanted children, they were places of child sacrifice. And so, in the Levitical chapter, speaking about sexual immorality, it also speaks about child sacrifice. Deuteronomy 12, verse 31. <clears throat> Moses gave the people a warning as they entered the promised land. As they were coming into the promised land, the whole book of Deuteronomy is Moses' speech to them of uh, what they should be doing and not doing and what they should expect and not expect. In Deuteronomy 12, verse 31, he said to them, You must not worship the Lord your God in their way, meaning the way the people that they're displacing from the land of Canaan. You must not worship the Lord your God in their way, 
because in worshiping their gods, they do all kinds of detestable things that the Lord hates. They even burn their sons and daughters into fire as sacrifices to their gods. And no surprise, the very next verse says, See that you do all I command you. Do not add to it or take away from it. God's given us His Word, the Scripture, of what is good and right and true. And He says, don't, don't add your own traditions, your own made-up things, and don't take away from it because you don't like what it says. And uh, don't want to deal with it. And don't follow the practices of the people of the land. Psalm 106, verse 37 is a psalm written describing what happened among the people as they traveled in the wilderness and even after they entered the new land of, of Canaan under Joshua after Moses had died. And Psalm 106, verse 37 says that the people of Israel, after settling in this new land and this promised land of milk and honey, God giving them victory after victory so that they could have a place of their own. And it says what? They sacrificed their sons and daughters to demons. They sacrificed their sons and daughters to demons. The worship of any other thing than the God of the Bible is the worship of demons. The worship of demons. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 20, he says the sacrifices of pagans are offered to demons, not to God. And that's what happened with the people of Israel coming into the new promised land. Some of them, maybe many of them, took up the ways of the people who they displaced. And they started sacrificing their sons and daughters to demons. One of the reasons Israel was destroyed and taken from the land, at that time there was a northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Judah, who had uh, rulers who were descendants of David. But the northern kingdom of Israel was destroyed in 722 B.C. <clears throat> the people of Nineveh, the Assyrians, came down and conquered the land and displaced them and scattered them to various other possessions they owned and filled the land with people from other places they'd conquered and uh, totally destroyed them so that we now hardly know who, who these people of ancient Israel are anymore, who they've descended and who they became. In 2 Kings 17... Verse 16 and 17 talks about this. Why was this northern kingdom of Israel conquered, destroyed, and displaced? And it says they worshipped two idols cast in the shape of calves. The very first kingdom of Israel, that's the first thing he did. He made two golden calves and put one on the southern border and one on the northern border and says these are your gods, go and worship them. They worshipped two idols cast in the shape of calves. They worshipped the Asherah pole. They bowed down to the starry host. They worshipped Baal. They sacrificed their sons and daughters in the fire. They practiced divination and sorcery and sold themselves to do evil in the eyes of the Lord, provoking Him to anger. That's what it gives in the Bible. While the northern kingdom of Israel was conquered and displaced. But at the very same time, the kingdom of Judah in the south did the very same thing. At the same time the northern kingdom of Israel was destroyed, there was a king over Judah named Ahaz in 720 B.C. Ahaz was the king of Judah. The prophet Isaiah had to deal with him. In Isaiah 7-9, Isaiah said to Ahaz face to face, if you do not stand in your faith, 
You will not stand at all. If you won't believe, you're not going to stand. If you do not stand in your faith, you will not stand at all. And then five verses later, Isaiah gave him a sign. A virgin will be with child. He'll give birth to a son and he will be called Emmanuel. He gave that prophecy as a sign and a warning to Ahaz to repent and turn to him. But instead, who is Ahaz? 2 Kings 16 verse 3 says, Ahaz walked in the ways of the king of Israel and even sacrificed his son in the fire. Following the detestable ways of the nations, the Lord had driven out before the Israelites. Second Chronicles chapter 28 verse 1 says, Ahaz was 20 years old when he became king. There's a clue to you in the first place. This, this guy's too young to be ruling a nation. He was 20 years old when he became king and he reigned in Jerusalem 16 years. He made idols for worshiping the Baals. He burned in the valley of Ben Hinnom. Uh, he burned sacrifice in the valley of Ben Hinnom and burned his children in the fire. One of his children survived. That, that son was named Hezekiah. He was the next king after his father Ahaz. And Hezekiah was a righteous king. Ruled around 700 B.C. Hezekiah trying to turn the people back to the following the God of the Bible. Let's celebrate the Passover. Let's remember who God is, what He's done for us. Let's worship Him. Let's give our lives to Him. Hezekiah did his best, but the people are the people. And right after Hezekiah, his son took over in 680 B.C., a guy named Manasseh. And who was Hezekiah's son, Manasseh? He was worse than Ahaz. 2 Kings 21, verse 6 says, Manasseh sacrificed his own son in the fire. He practiced divination. He sought omens. He consulted mediums and spiritists. He did much evil in the eyes of the Lord, arousing his anger. 2 Chronicles 33, verse 6 says, Manasseh sacrificed his children in the fire in the valley of Ben-Hinnom and practiced divination and witchcraft. Isaiah was a prophet during the time all these guys, Ahaz, Hezekiah, and Manasseh, and Isaiah was finally butchered by Manasseh. Isaiah must have been an old man at that time. He had to have been 70, 80, maybe more. And that old man Isaiah scared Manasseh, and Manasseh had him sawn in half, put him to death because he didn't want to hear God's Word. Get your saw and take this guy in half. Isaiah, in Isaiah 57, verse 5, not just the kings, but the people, he said, You burn with lust among the oaks and under every spreading tree. You sacrifice your children in the ravines and under the overhanging crags. Sexual immorality, lust, results in child sacrifice. It was not just a couple of kings here or there. It was rife throughout all the people of Judah too. But there came another one. Manasseh's grandson, Josiah, became king over Judah. And Josiah was righteous like David. He was righteous like his great-grandfather, Hezekiah. He ruled about 630 B.C. He did his best to bring about revival in the land and turn the people back to the God of the Bible and saying, worship the Lord right. 2 Kings 23, verse 10 says, Josiah desecrated 
Topheth, which was in the valley of Ben-Hinnom, so that no one could use it to sacrifice their son or daughter in the fire to Molech. Josiah says, as long as I'm king, this ain't going to happen. Right here in my sight, in the valley next to Jerusalem. I'm going to put a stop to that, just as Hezekiah led the people in revival. But Josiah lived, he died, and the people returned to their ways right after Josiah. 600 B.C. was the time of the prophet Jeremiah. Jeremiah said in 7, chapter 7, verse 31, they have built the high places of Topheth in the valley of Ben-Hinnom to burn their sons and daughters in the fire. Something I did not command, nor did it enter my mind. Jeremiah 19, verse 5, they have built the high places of Baal to burn their children in the fires, offerings to Baal. Something I did not command or mention, nor did it come into my mind, God says. Jeremiah 32, verse 35 says, They built high places for Baal in the valley of Ben-Hinnom to sacrifice their sons and daughters to Molech, though I never commanded, nor did it enter my mind that they should do such a detestable thing and so make Judah sin. Also in 600 B.C., there was another prophet in exile, Ezekiel. Ezekiel 16.26, he says, You took your sons and daughters whom you bore to me, and you sacrificed them as food to the idols. Was your prostitution not enough? You slaughtered my children and sacrificed them to the idols. Several times I've already mentioned from the Scripture the valley of Ben-Hinnom. What is this valley of Ben-Hinnom? In the city of Jerusalem, to the east of Jerusalem, was the Kidron Valley. The Kidron Valley, that was the on up to the Mount of Olives. That's where Jesus crossed over riding the donkey on Palm Sunday, Kidron Valley. To the south of Jerusalem was another valley. It was the Valley of Ben-Hinnom. And it was used for child sacrifice for hundreds of years. And the Jews, by the time of Jesus, were fed up with it. And they used that valley as a garbage dump. We got trash, we got garbage, we're going to throw it out there because that's the shameful place where our ancestors sacrificed children. And with the garbage out there, they keep it down, they'd burn it. And so there was always fires going on in the valley of Ben-Hinnom. The Hebrew word for valley is Geh. Geh Ben-Hinnom. Geh Hinnom. Geh Hinna. Jesus used that to describe hell. He used that word for hell, Gehenna, where the fire never dies, where the worm never dies. It just keeps going and going. That was the valley of Ben-Hinnom where the people of Judah had offered child sacrifice. And it's not just child sacrifice. It's not like abortion is a new thing in our world today. There were abortions going on in the ancient world too, uh, mostly chemically induced, I think. And the rabbis of Jesus' time, of New Testament times, uh, it's recorded in some of the rabbis there, this was one of the reasons why Jews would not go into the home of a Gentile. Jews would not go into the home of a Gentile because those pagans, those Gentiles, they abort their children, and to get rid of them, they bury them under the floor in their homes there. And so I'm not going to go into their home unless I come into contact with a dead person and be unclean and not know I'm unclean. And so they wouldn't go in their home. So in Acts chapter 10, when Peter comes to the Roman soldier Cornelius, Peter basically says, I've never done this before. I've been a good Jew. I've never been in a Gentile's home. 
But God said for me to not call anything unclean that He calls clean. And Cornelius and his household came to believe and were saved and were baptized following Him, following Jesus. The sin from ancient times comes down to today. As Solomon said in Ecclesiastes, there is nothing new under the sun. There is nothing new under the sun. Oh, wait, we got airplanes, we got atomic power, we got computers. Yeah, so what? When it comes to humanity, people, and human nature, there is nothing new under the sun. We are still caught up in sin of greed and lust in the pursuit of selfish pleasures, and children get tossed aside. That's why there's a workshop this Wednesday night at the school about child trafficking. Yeah, it's just children, it doesn't matter. Children are not valued. They're disposable. They're not real human beings. It's, it's easy, not just with uh, the unborn, but with the newly born. They haven't developed. They haven't shown any personality. They're not talking to me. And so there are those who would even want to get rid of newborns if they don't want to keep them around because they're not fully grown, fully known, fully functional. Today in our world, there are nearly 50 million abortions worldwide every single year. It boggles the mind. Many have cried about, well, it's a, many would say, oh, it's a good thing because of overpopulation, overpopulation. You know who was crying about overpopulation? In 1500 B.C. In 1500 B.C., the Pharaoh of Egypt was crying about overpopulation. There's too many of these Hebrew slaves. we got to get rid of them. If, they, if somebody has a girl, let her live. But if they have a boy, put them to death. And so Moses' parents made a little basket and floated them on the Nile, hoping he would be spared. Hoping he would be spared. Then it was about males. Let the females live, kill the males. Now it's mostly against females when it comes to the abortion industry. In China today, there are over 50 million more males than females. In India today, there are over 50 million more males than females. I mean, there are nations with a billion plus each, but still 50 million is a staggering number a staggering number of more males than, than females. Then in Egypt, with Moses, it was about race. Not Egyptians, but Hebrews. Put them to death. Now, abortion in the United States, the highest percentage per general population when it comes to abortion is blacks, African Americans. And in fact, Margaret Sanger, who started Planned Parenthood about 1916, uh, she just came right out and said it. This, I hope we got abortion going so we can get rid of all these blacks and poor people. Don't want them around. And not only in Egypt in 1500 B.C., but 2,000 years ago, in the Roman world of Jesus' time, it's recorded that people were crying about overpopulation. We can't feed everybody. we got to do something about this. We don't like the numbers of people that are around. I grew up in the 19. I was a teenager in the 17s, and what did I hear? Overpopulation, man. There's too many people. The, the, the planet can't sustain so many people. Do you know what? Since I was a teenager, 
population of the world's doubled. It's gone from 4 billion to 8 billion. And in fact, I didn't research it, but I would, I would bet money that there was more famine and hunger when I was a teenager in the world than there is today. Because we're able to feed the people who are here, even though it's doubled from 4 to 8 billion. Nobody thought the world could feed this many people. So what now? There's still the cries of overpopulation, but the main theme today is climate change. People are bad. They're bad for the planet. They emit carbon dioxide. They burn fossil fuels. They do this. They do that. They're bad for the planet. We got too many people. Quit having babies because we got too many people. And they're ruining the planet. But whether it's a cry of overpopulation or a cry of climate change, opposing having children flows easily if you choose a lifestyle of greed. I'd rather have more money for myself than have to pay to feed these kids and clothe these kids and educate these kids. I'd rather have more money for me so I can go play and have a party. Opposing having children flows easily from a lifestyle of lust. It's no fun taking care of babies. Rather, have, rather just be a freewheeling entity and do what I want and do whatever feels good. Opposing having children flows easily with a lifestyle dedicated to selfish pleasures. Just like in the time 700 B.C. among Israel and Judah, so today and will continue to go on until the Lord returns, this human sinfulness that says, me, me, me. From the beginning, God had two things in mind. From the beginning, God had two things. This was before He gave the law, the Ten Commandments. This before Jesus came to earth to go to the cross and pay for our sins to save us by His blood. From the beginning, God had two things in mind. Genesis chapter 22, chapter 2, verse 24, He had in mind marriage. A man shall leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. He had a simple concept in mind of marriage. One man and one woman. That's a good thing. The devil's out to make it a bad thing. And always has been out to make it a bad thing. Hey, live together. Don't worry about formalizing it or actually saying we're married. Just live together for a while. Or sleep around if you want. Don't bother with the legalities. Even married. Commit adultery. You're, whole, you're, you're depriving yourself. Divorce. Sexual morality of every kind. devil tells you if it feels good, how can it be wrong? Don't deny yourself. Just like the ancient temples, the worship of Baal and Asherah and Artemis and Diana and Apollos and whoever else, go to the temple and have a good time. We've got the, we've got the beer flowing. We've got the prostitutes there. It's a good place to be. You can really enjoy yourself. The devil says if it feels good, how can it be wrong? 
But God calls us to a different life. To a different life. 1 Corinthians 6, 18 says, Flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin that a man commits is outside the body, but the one who sins sexually sins against his body. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit whom you have from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore glorify God with your body. 1 Thessalonians 4.3 says, This is God's will for you, your holiness, that you avoid sexual immorality, that each one of you knows how to control his body in a way that is holy and honorable, not in passionate lust, like the pagans who do not know God. And that in this matter no one wrong his brother or rob his brother. For God did not call us to live impure lives, but to live pure lives. And whoever rejects this teaching does not reject men, but God, who gives you His Holy Spirit. Hebrews 13, verse 4, combines this together, the, the problem of sin in our world today. Hebrews 13, verse 4 says, Let marriage be honored by all, and a marriage bed kept pure. For God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Because He has said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. The world chases after these things. God says, I've got a plan for you. It was a plan from the very start. A man shall leave his father and mother, be united, and the two shall become one flesh. That was God's plan. That was one of the things he had in mind. The second thing God had in mind in Genesis 1.28, he told people, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. He said, create life. Create life. Have children. God says, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. That's not a bad thing. That's not a, something you want to avoid. I think in our world today, uh, the, the real hardcore people would look at somebody with more than three kids in their family and shake their head. Oh, what bad people they are. Have so many kids. Having children is a good thing. The devil's out to make it a bad thing. It's a bother. It's an inconvenience. It's a waste of time. It's expensive. You, can, you don't get to sleep at night. Everybody's telling Allison that. You don't get to sleep at night. That's how it goes. The devil hates people. But God loves all that He has made. Jesus said in Matthew 18.10, See to it that you do not look down on one of these little ones. For I tell you that their angels in heaven always behold the face of My Father. Don't look down because they're little. Jesus went on to say, your Father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones be lost. Life is good. God created life. He breathes life into us. And He wants, to be, wants us to be part of creating life too. Of creating new lives of children. And He also wants us to be part of the great message, the great mission of reaching people to create new heavenly lives. People who are born again for new creations who have eternal life because they put their trust into Jesus. 
that for the forgiveness of their sins, for the truth is, God's chosen people, Israel and Judah, lived for hundreds of years like this. Even with a righteous king here and a righteous king there, it was going on. And the truth is that uh, there's not a person who always does what is good has never sinned. The truth is each of us have, uh, have listened quite a bit to the devil of, uh, when it comes to greed and to lust and to selfish pleasures and what I want, what I want to get out of life. That's it. We've been called to love God with all that we are and to trust Him. And Jesus paid the price for our sins on the cross. He died and took the judgment, the punishment we deserve for our sins. But God raised Him on the third day. And you can have forgiveness of your sins. You can be born again. You can become a new person in Christ. And you can know that you have eternal life to come whenever that time comes when you die on this planet, that you'll have eternal life with Christ because He died for you. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank You, Lord. Power and truth of Your Word, that You're good to what You say. Lord, You have something better for us. The devil wants us to believe a lie and follow a lie. Lord, help us to uh, live lives that uh, trust in Your truth and walk with You and do good, do what is right. Content in knowing You and the life You have for us. We pray it in Christ's name. Amen.